We are the Adventuring Guild, and this is the Home Brew Review. Thank you for joining us once again for another episode of the Homebrew Review. This week we'll be beginning our dragon section. We'll be taking on the Horde of the Dragon Queen and then moving on to the Rise of Tiamat in the later levels. Uh, for this week I am joined by Micah, Mike, Hope, and Virgil. If you guys would like to join the show, uh, be a part of the crew here, go to our Patreon account, www.patreon.com slash adventuringguild. And for $2 a month, you can join in on the Homebrew Review Podcast. You can get a guaranteed spot in the Chaos Plan, uh, at least one intro game and one regular game. And if you're anywhere near Kearney, Nebraska, I encourage all of you to check out Syndicate Games in the Kaufman Center in Kearney, Nebraska, right downtown. Uh, they have been very good to us here, and we're hoping to help get their name out there a little bit in front of anybody that happens to be around in the area. And you can find them on Facebook under Syndicate Games. So we will go ahead and start with introductions before we begin. Hey everyone, this is Virgil, and I'm going to play, be playing the Azmir Paladin. As far as the race goes, I chose the Protector Azmir. I really like the Radiant Soul ability, being able to have the wings as a bonus action, giving me flying speed, the extra Radiant damage equal to my level, very thematic for any kind of Paladin type character, as well as the bonus to Charisma for the Azmir. In the past on this podcast, I have been tortured by the wisdom saves so the other thing with uh, the protector Asmir is the bonus to the wisdom uh, <laughs> stat so you won't kill your see. friends this episode hopefully not we'll that see. hurt <laughs> every time um, also with the Asmir uh, what I really like is the uh, resistance the necrotic and the radiant damage uh, it doesn't come into play a lot however those types of spells and abilities do a lot of damage or are very impactful when they happen, so that resistance is very nice. Also, the healing hands, uh, being able to heal a number of points equal to my level is an incredibly beneficial ability to any class uh, or any character, any group. Uh, any kind of healing is just really nice. For the oath, the paladin oath I took is uh, the Oath of the Dragon's Guard. It is, I found it on Reddit. Uh, on the Unearth Arcana section uh, by uh, user Tim Draga. Uh, what I really like about the Oath of the Dragon's Guard is it's all about being a protector. And with Protector Asmir, I think it matches up really well. Uh, instead of uh, uh, some of the big things, uh, most paladins prepare spells. Uh, this Oath type changes prepared spells to known spells. So you have a little bit fewer options. Uh, you can't just prepare a bunch and then, uh, you know, pick and choose. You have to choose what you want and stick with them. 
Uh, so the choices are a little bit more important, and so it takes a little bit more planning uh, for that. The known spells that you or the oath spells you get are very uh, varied and have a lot of situational utility uh, purpose to them. The channel divinities are pretty nice. They're uh, one of them is a bonus action, basically turning my next attack action into a critical hit, which. When comes a shove and you need that bonus damage, you just need to hit the target to end it. I think that's going to be a very powerful uh, tool. However, the downside is, is once I do it, I must make my next attack actions at disadvantage. So I will hit the first one, but the next ones I have, I suffer a little bit to hit. Uh, so I can see that being you have a boss, your friends are going down, you just have to. You have to end the fight quickly. Uh, I see that being a very powerful uh, tool for that. The other one is Draconic Threats. Uh, any creature within 30 feet that is a reptile, Draconic, or understands Draconic must make a Charisma saving throw unless they're immune to being frightened. If the creature fails its save, it is frightened for one minute until it takes damage. Uh, I, again, just being able to crowd control any group is very powerful. Uh, in Horde, of the, in Horde of the Dragon Queen setting uh, that we're doing the dragon theme, I think the Draconic Threat power is going to be very good since most creatures are either Reptile, Draconic, or Understand Draconic. Um, at 7th level, this is where the fun stuff starts to happen. This oath is a tank by nature. Uh, at level 7, the archetype gives me uh, resistant, uh, gives me and resistant and allies, something. The aura is called the Aura of Elemental Resistance. Beginning at 7th, myself and friendly creatures within 10 feet of me gain resistance to elemental damage. Because what is elemental damage, if you go to the handbook, I'm basing it off of what the elemental adept feat is, which lists the different elemental types, so I'm going based off of that. Uh, but still, have and like there are other auras, it can go up to 30 feet. That resistance is awesome. Uh, any kind of damage mitigation is always a bonus, especially if you're trying to play the defensive character. Uh, 15th level, I gain resistance to piercing, bludgeoning, and slashing damage. Uh, again, at, basically at 15th level, this character is going to be resistant to everything except force and psychic damage. So basically you're playing a bear totem barbarian, but in plate mail. So I'm very excited about that. The last one, Bahamut's Champion, is the 20th level ability. For two minutes, you transform and uh, add Charisma modifier to weapon damage, as well as my AC. Uh, so I'm going to be very powerful and very bulky, very defensive. Uh, whenever I cast a spell of one action, it is now a bonus action instead. Uh, so I can start hammering out some of the big spells uh, very quickly. As well as any enemy creature within 10 feet has disadvantage on faves against my paladin spells or channel of enemies. Uh, I do suffer a, a level of exhaustion at the end. However, I can extend my transformation. I can extend it an additional minute uh, for suffering another, another level of exhaustion. So if I want to keep it going, I can essentially play, do it for 6 minutes without dying. But as soon as I do the seventh minute, my character's just dead. So it's basically a, a the final, the final stand type ability that I can keep going forever. Uh, 
as far as this character goes, I don't see this character being a very powerful character as far as damage output, but I see this character being very powerful and that it's going to be very difficult to kill me. Uh, at the first level, I instead of taking an ability score, I took the feat Heavy Armor Master, which is going to reduce take minus three damage from non-magical uh, weapons of that are slashing, piercing, or bludgeoning. So I'm going to have extra damage mitigation as well as the plus one to strength. So again, I don't see myself being a very powerful damage dealer, but I see my character as being very difficult to actually bring down. Hi, I'm Hope, and I will be playing Hazel, the Warrior Princess Half-Elf. The Princess class is created by Impersonator, which I found on Tumblr, so thank you for creating that. I will also be playing as a Half-Elf with the Noble background. As the Princess, uh, it's pretty similar to a Bard. I have a lot of a lot of abilities that allow me to help others more powerful rather than being a hard hitter myself. The main characteristic that I get is called the Inspiring Call. I have four uses and allows me to give a d4 to an ally that can add to an attack roll, their damage, an ability check, or a savings throw. I also get to do a little bit of healing with Inspiring Pep. I have a pool of 20 points that I can use that uh, allow me to touch someone else and heal them by those points. Another really interesting thing about the princess class is that I also get a special weapon that allows me to do a little bit more damage. I chose the shock round for that. I get to make a dexterity check and if I pass it, which is a DC of 10, I also get to catch the boomerang and it does an extra D4 of damage. I also have what is called Majesty Point. You get different majestic skills and the points that you get are based on your level and you get to spend points to do those different actions. Uh, some of those are the one is called the Charismatic Instruction. It allows me to cast Suggestion. I also get to do things like the Influence of Grace. It allows me to have advantage on both my Deception and Persuasion for 10 minutes. I also have one that allows me to heal again, and it allows me to spend one point each time to do five points of healing. And I also have the majestic talent of my hero, which allows me to grant heroism to allies within 60 feet of me. Hello once again, everybody. This is Micah Holmes coming to you with Daskalos, the Seder Mentor, the Seder class or the Seder race coming from Minibos, uh, the, the Reddit user on Unearthed Arcana, uh, is one of many Seder races available. I chose this one for one sub-race in particular. You have access to the Hedonist, Guardian, and Mentor sub-races, and being that I opted to be a trainer of heroes, I felt the Mentor was the perfect sub-race to utilize. Um, the Seder class that, that I'm using, or the Seder race that I'm using, they're pretty standard. They don't have the uh, Fey abilities that a lot of Seders get, but you have uh, advantage on athletics checks in rocky terrain. Um, or not advantage, you have twice your proficiency bonus. Um, standard speed, uh, you get common in Sylvanas languages, stuff that you would really expect from a Goatman race. Um, the Mentor gives you access to the uh, Heroism spell once per day, or once per long rest, um, a couple of extra proficiencies, and the Guidance Cantrip, which is really good. 
the so it's a fairly typical satyr race. What about everything you would expect from it? Uh, I chose to utilize it in conjunction with the Arbalist class, which is a class that I've wanted to play for a while. If you want to be a gunslinger type character, but don't want to actually utilize firearms, you want to keep it very you know medieval friendly. The Arbalist is a really good class for you. It is a class that specializes in crossbows. Uh, there are multiple different specializations that you can utilize with crossbows. So basically you, you, you put yourself in one of three categories. You can either be that, that run-and-gun type shooter that's always on the move, just firing off quick shots, dealing damage through volley of fire. Um, you can be more of the sharpshooter sniper type, this, you know, get yourself in a good position and just deal punishing shots at range where you where they just can't see you, can't hear you, can't find you, and are just terrorized by your, your, your uh, massive, impactful fire. And then you have a more of a tank shooter that utilizes big, heavy crossbows that they can use as melee weapons very efficiently and just be up in the middle of things um, because of the nimble nature of the satyr, I'm going to be utilizing the strafer specialization that gives you a lot of really fun options to uh, really maximize your mobility in combat and just firing off as many shots as you can possibly get. Gaining the ability to uh, load crossbows when you're holding an object in your hand so I can wield two hand crossbows and load them both while still wielding them is really clutch. Um, eventually, you start getting into the real meat of the class at 5th level once you start getting your strafe dice, which it's all based on how far you move during each of your rounds. You gain dice based on how far. So for every 10 feet, you gain a D4 strafe dice. So you know, run 30 feet, get 3 strafe dice that you can use to add that, add that D4 to your damage. When you take damage, you can use one of those D4... You roll the d4 and move that times five feet as movement, which will in turn get you more strafe die because you're moving. And then you can actually use the strafe die to reduce the amount of damage you take from attacks. So by really managing that resource carefully, you can really boost not only your damage output, but your survivability. Eventually adding on more options for strafe dice, moving farther, moving faster, you get... um, a, a small uh, resistance to falling damage eventually. Um, start taking dash actions as bonus actions that ignore magical, difficult terrain. Uh, and capping off with what is arguably one of my favorite abilities I have ever seen in any class ever, the Sting Like a Bee feature as a capstone. Uh, at 20th level, when you take the attack action, you can draw and fire up to four crossbow, four loaded crossbows in your inventory. So as one attack, I'm just firing off, just chunk, 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 chunk. Fire drop, fire drop, fire drop, holding onto the last one so I'm still armed. And I can do that once per long rest. And uh, any of those shots can spend straight, or you can spend strafe die as a reaction to make a weapon, another weapon attack as a part of a reaction. So, I mean, you're just getting more and more opportunity to just continuously fire off all these shots. So hopefully I can use that in conjunction with my uh, aged wisdom as an elderly satyr trainer to not only keep myself, but the rest of the party alive and teach them how to be the best heroes they can be. You've heard of Boondock Saints? Yeah, that's this is exactly. the Boondock Satyr. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. 
Greetings, fellow adventurers! I am Dr. Bubo Steubens, here to teach you about the relativity of time and how to use it against your enemies. Hey, it's Mike. I'm back for the podcast. Uh, I am playing an Owlite cleric of time using the Time Traveler background. Uh, time Traveler background is done by Low Wraith. Uh, it's not super overpowered. doesn't give a ton of amazing stuff. It's just an interesting add to what I've got going on here. I think the most interesting thing about it is anachronistic acclimation. Basically, when you end up in a new time period or a new culture, you can actually speed up the process that it would take to normally become part of that culture and understand how things operate. Um, as far as the Owlite character race by Eddie Swiss, uh, if you like birds, this is fantastic. There are a lot of bird memes floating around out there, so I think a lot of people might get it. Uh, starting off, you get Wisdom plus two, Intelligence plus one, Dark Vision, uh, Size Medium, Speed is 35 feet, Quick Little Birds, Nocturnal. Uh, we do get 1d4 slashing uh, Talons. I won't be using them very much because y'all have a mace. Uh, wise like an owl is a really interesting ability. Owlites are being known for being notoriously wise. Once per long rest, you can reroll any natural one rolled with a wisdom skill. So hopefully that'll prevent that loss of a wisdom save. <laughs> um, and then they have a few sub-races uh, ranging from snow uh, owls to eagle owls, horned owls, and city owls. I'm going with the horned owl. Uh, which boasts the plus one to wisdom, so I'm stacking those ability modifiers. Um, and a climb speed equal to 40 feet, so I can climb faster than I can walk. Um, and so that's that. With the Cleric of Time, there's a lot of time domain uh, uh, subclasses out there floating around. Um, some of them veer one way, some of them veer another way. This is the one that I found that was the most balanced, I felt, and this one is done by Aaron Joliffe. Basically, first level, Chronic Anomaly. At first level, you're able to perceive glimpses of possible futures. Whenever you roll initiative, you can add your Wisdom modifier to the result in addition to your Dex modifier. So having a Cleric can always, or not always, but hopefully always go first uh, to buff the party or to debuff the enemies in order to uh, make combat go our way. Uh, you start off with Channel Divinity Time Slip. Uh, you can briefly stop time on your turn to use Channel Divinity to move up to your speed without expending any normal movement. This will be good for crossing the battlefield and getting a heal off on somebody without provoking attacks. Uh, at 6th level, Channel Divinity Damage Flux, uh, the way that you warp time and it flows around you, delaying harmful effects and inflicting them on you in a later version of yourself. When a source would deal damage to you or a creature that you can see within 30 feet, you can use your reaction and your Channel Divinity to negate that damage. When you prevent damage this way, the damage is dealt to the creature a number of rounds later at the start of that creature's turn. The number equals half your wisdom modifier rounded up. So take a shot that would actually kill you. You can prevent that damage for a little while to at least maybe get some heals in or at least you know end the encounter before. Uh, eighth level, we get Divine Strike, which is just like every other uh, cleric. Uh, domain. Uh, you get that bonus 1d8 to damage. 17th level, we get Timeless Body. Uh, flow of time has caused your body to become disjointed from it. Your body ceases to age and you cannot be aged magically. And then at 17th level, regain what was lost, which we'll cover that in the fourth episode, I suppose. So, very excited to play Dr. Bubo Steubens. I'll be making a lot of owl references. It'll be a hoot. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Oh, Thanks for yeah. listening, everybody. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's what we're calling it. The first owl pun. <laughs> All right. If I can interrupt, Bob, I yes. forgot to mention the Arbalist class is brought to you by Unimpressed from once again the Unearth Arcana subreddit. Thank you very much, good sir. Awesome. 
this week we'll be starting off uh, in the Castle Neritar. Uh, you guys would have already found your way into the castle with the assistance of some lizard folk allies who, after uh, accompanying you for a while, split off to go take care of the bullywugs that were surrounding the castle, leaving you to take down their leader, uh, which is in the basement of this castle uh, in the caverns underneath. So you guys would have fought your way uh, through the different levels of this castle and had taken a long rest right before descending into the uh, tunnels below. So this subterranean area is kind of the breeding ground for the bullywugs and giant frogs and all that kind of stuff. So it's a, a very damp, wet, mildewy, moldy, kind of nasty swamp-like area underneath this castle. The ceilings here are all about 10 foot high, unless otherwise noted. Uh, and area one uh, the, is the only area that is brightly lit. So right when you descend into there, there is light, but there's light nowhere else uh, in here unless you bring it with you. And the caverns are filled with faint sounds of dripping water, scratching rodents, and scrabbling lizards. Sound does not carry well, and the sound of, fight of, uh, of a fight travels into neighboring chambers and attracts the attention if the fight lasts for more than three rounds. So while sound doesn't travel very well here, um, there is, as in all cavern type areas, that risk of echoes and noise uh, from other chambers drawing attention. So, uh, you guys would have come down uh, these steps from the southwest tower of the castle, um, where it split, in, where it spills out into this chamber. Uh, the chamber is brightly lit by one lantern hanging next to the entrance steps, uh, and then another one near the northwest opening. This chamber is currently empty. The water flooding the center of the chamber is little more than a puddle. It was only about a foot deep near the center and the water is slightly acidic, but not enough to cause damage. There is a gap in the wall connecting uh, area two, uh, but it is only three feet high, so most characters have to crouch to go through it. Yeah, if you can light me up, I'll wander in through there. I mean, I'll have to crouch, but I'll go see what's going right. on in there. Yeah, I'll, I'll cast light on one of your crossbows if you want. Sounds good. All right, so you, you guys have a little bit of uh, light there. So you crawl through that little spot. Uh, who's going in what order? Uh, you're up front, Micah? If, if we... I can be. Okay. So, Doskalos. I said that right? Doskalos? Yes. Okay. Um, you crawl through there, and... Uh, let's see here. Go ahead, and your... Wait, no. Your passive perception is a 14. So you notice, after you crawl through this little watery area... The area next door is a there's a slight raised ledge and uh, where the where the ground is dry, but everything else around it is completely filled with uh, water around it. A little bit deep, not too bad though, about a foot or so. And you see in the east end of the chamber a whole lot of shiny, precious stones, gems, that kind of stuff, all piled up against the wall there. Uh, and then you also notice that there's a weird blob is the best way to, like a stone blob sitting kind of over there where the, all those gems are. Other than that, nothing else is in this room. It's a very odd way of describing a stone. A stone blob. Stone blob. <clears throat> um, Goodness, what on earth would make a stone do that? 
Yeah, it looks kind of like stone, but if you stand there long enough, it kind of almost has a sheen to it a little bit, and when water drips on it, it kind of ripples the surface of the stone just a little bit, so a blob is the only thing I can really think of to describe it. Um, Perhaps one of you should poke it with a stick. Have any of you ever seen anything like this? Uh, Guys can roll me a history check or a nature check, whichever you prefer. I'll even take Arcana. I'll do a history check. Can I do an athletics check to figure out what it is? <laughs> sure, you kick it to learn it. <laughs> Who got what number? Are you? That's how yeah. I learned to fix a car. Exactly. Hit it a couple of times. That'll make it work. Look, Bob, I did not pass any form of history. <laughs> okay. Me I'm not from this time. I don't know about. I got a ten for history. Okay, a 10, you can tell that it's something weird, but, uh, uh, and that it's definitely dangerous. Yes. Would there be anything related to it in the stories of any famous heroes? Oh, probably. Uh, you would know that there that are... I have advantage. There we go. And that makes it a 22. Okay, yes. You would know that uh, oozes, different oozes, occasionally can take the shape of stone or um, different objects to appear invisible and camouflage. So you're pretty sure that this is an ooze, um, and judging from the fact that it's stone-colored, you're guessing it's a gray ooze, which digests all organic everything, leaving inorganic objects uh, alone. That sounds horrifying. Friends, I do believe this is a gray ooze. Don't touch it. It will try to eat you. And it has definitely, I guess, sensed your presence, for lack of a better term, but it hasn't moved. Like, it's... It would be really impossible for it not to notice you coming in, you know, that tiny little crevice with the light on your crossbow, but it doesn't seem to be caring about it. I mean, if any of you think you can, uh... How to maneuver the ooze? There's some shiny stuff over there if you're interested. But uh, me personally, I think I'm going to find my way out of this pottery pit. Yeah, you guys see, uh, you see like seven or eight fairly good-sized uh, shiny stones along the uh, far wall there. How how finished is this area? I mean, it's craggy rock, right? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, where water kind of probably at some point kind of made a natural little cave type area. There's just a small uh, bit of stone that's above the water level. Daskalos, what type of a range does an ooze have? What type of a range does it do? Uh, not very long. Yeah, they, they, they're not uh, quick. Yeah, they're, they do have pseudopods, um, but I think the range is maybe 10 feet. Perhaps I could climb. If you're that interested in what's over there, go for it. I'm not they're going shiny. to shiny. I have to see what they are. Owls. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, let me see. I've got the pseudopod uh, range of five feet, not ten. So, uh, yeah, they basically just attack whatever they get up on. Now, that being said, I might just disturb it, and then it comes after everybody else. So, And you would know, uh, because of how damp and wet everything is, the rock is fairly slick here. Mm. It's not going to be a super easy climb. It would be fairly difficult. Uh, perhaps we should get back to the task at hand. <laughs> yes. All right. Indeed. So you back back out into that main chamber. Uh, there's the stairs that descend down to the northwest, or the stairs that ascend up to the southeast. Which would you prefer? Which one is left? Uh, left would be the southeast. 
So I learned anything from the adventures of heroes <laughs> in a labyrinth? Go left. Exactly. <laughs> left is always right. Okay, so you guys um, go into this next room after ascending these stairs, and the floor of this room is flooded a foot deep with sticky, reeking mud, making the whole chamber difficult terrain. Uh, you notice... Uh, go ahead and everybody give me a stealth check real quick. Oh. If you're up front, Micah, you would have disadvantage because of the light. Ooh. 14. Okay. 20. Virgil. 9. 9. Hope. 12. Alright, let me roll against the... A 10. So, uh, they would notice, uh hear noises and immediately kind of stand up and start making their way up towards where you guys are. Uh, two bullywugs that were previously uh, rolling in the mud uh, start approaching the steps uh, where you guys are at. You guys would be about 20 feet away. They probably have seen the light and heard the noise, but they haven't like charged to attack. So if you guys wanted to do some sort of ambush, I'll let you guys try and do that and get it to jump on them. Well, discretion is a better part of valor, and as such, taking the initiative is even more so. I believe if we are not going to be able to avoid a fight, it's best to hit hard, hit fast, and hit only. Guidance upon you, Daskalos. And guidance upon our large friend here. Crossbows up. Did you just do the... (laughs) Yes. So that everybody roll me initiative? Fourteen. Four. Eleven. 18. 18. All right. And they rolled an 18 as well. Uh, plus, well, rolled 17 plus 1 is 18. Uh, so, uh, plus 1 for their decks. What's yours, Mike? Uh, plus 1 for decks. Okay. So, uh, I'll go ahead and let you go first because I'm assuming your intelligence is much higher than a 7. Uh, yeah. Okay, it's a little <laughs> higher. Um,. So, uh, we got guidance on so. before we even started the, the initiative run. Yep. yep. So, I'll go ahead and just throw out Sacred Flame. All right. Go ahead I'm and, um, let's see here. Uh, we, I guess it doesn't matter. Both Bullywugs are about the same. Uh, that was a natural one for their roll. So, uh, go ahead and roll that damage then. Right, 1d8 rating of damage. Increasing at level 5. Uh, 4. Rating of damage. All right. It really did not like that as its uh, leathery, froggy-type skin begins to sizzle just a little bit. And we then move on to the Bullywugs. Yeah, what's new a frog? In an amazing sandwich. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, so they charge the 20 feet up to... Actually, they're going to... um, Yeah, they're just going to charge you guys and uh, make two attacks against... um, Who would be in the lead, do you think? If we would have saw the enemy, I probably would have put position my up front. All right, both bullywugs are gonna uh, strike you with their spears. Um, they get two spear attack, or one bite and one spear, so they'll attack you twice. The frogs don't have teeth. Yeah, I know. Well, yeah. kind of. Uh, Virgil, I don't think that'll hit you because the highest was an eleven. Nope. All right, and the second. Uh, that was a nat twenty, and then a three. Yeah, I have an AC of 18. Alright, then uh, you take six points of bludgeoning damage from that fight. And then with Heavy Armor Master, it's reduced down to three. Awesome. Alright, Koskalos. 
Um, is there any way I can get maneuvered around and, and uh, line them up one in front of the other? Um, probably, because they'd be coming up the stairs towards you, and the staircase kind of takes up about ten feet, so I'd say you'd be able to maneuver them in a line. Excellent! We're going to uh, fire off a shot with our crossbow, utilizing with, with the hand crossbow, utilizing the penetrating power feature. Alright. Well, hopefully utilizing it. So, I will make one attack against the one in the front. Will not hit. <laughs> and roll at disadvantage for the creature behind him. Um, will a 16 hit him? One point more than what you needed. Excellent. And that will deal... points of piercing damage to the one behind. Wow. Alright, so that first one, uh, right as you went to fire, that sacred light uh, kind of blinded you just a little bit uh, when it was hit with that strike, and uh, your shot just went right past its head, but it slammed into the second one uh, right square in its chest, and it almost goes down completely. And then I'll use my bonus action to fire off my offhand crossbow. Alright. That will hit with a 20... Four. Awesome. And that will deal nine points of piercing damage to the one in front. All right. And uh, as that one is uh, trying to splash water and mud on itself to cool that, that flame energy that or that sacred flame that burned it, uh, you sketch it right, uh, catch it right in its throat, and it goes down into the mud, completely dead. Cedric, it is your turn. Um, all righty. Uh... I will use my sword to whack it with my sword. Okay. Um, that is a 16 to hit. 16 definitely hits. All right. And that is six points of slashing damage. And you decapitate its froggy head from its body. Oh. And everything goes quiet. Because of how quickly that round or that battle took place, um, nobody uh, heard anything else that happened. So the entire area is silent. Well done, pupils. That is exactly how you quickly and efficiently dispatch a foe. <laughs> Learn from this, and you will be great heroes yet. All right. All you see in this nasty chamber is, uh, like I said, a mud room, quite literally. Um, just ceremonial mud that these bullywugs were. Uh, wallowing in. Other than that, um, all you see is steps to the west that descend uh, steeply 10 feet to the next area. And they are all coated in mud, so you're pretty sure this is going to be a little bit difficult to get down without falling. I suppose we must carefully squelch on. Alright. Everybody give me a dexterity saving throw. Uh, DC 8. Don't roll a 2. Oh, God. <laughs> That's a four. <laughs> I'm a slippery owl. <laughs> All right, Virgil Hope. Six. Seventeen. Okay. So uh, as our cl uh, time cleric in the front, uh, Dr. Stu, slips and falls. He grabs on uh, for Cedric to help keep his balance and ends up pulling him down with him. And you both go clattering down the stairs. You take So much for keeping quiet. Exactly. You take uh, one point Mike and four points Virgil of bludgeoning damage and a ton of noise is made as you clatter to the floor below. 
because of all of this noise, when you land, uh, you see eight swarms of centipedes um, all start coming out of the niches and alcoves in the western wall and attack. If you guys want, we will go ahead and keep this same initiative starting. Oh, actually, go ahead and roll new. Go ahead and start shouting off numbers. Whoever wants to first. 20, 23. 23, Dosclos. Mike? 17. 17. Hope and Virgil? 13. Eight. 13 and 8. And the swarms of centipedes? Oh. Uh, 6. Virgil, you had guidance on you when you went to make that dex check. Oh, you I, you did have guidance on me? Yes. Sorry. I should have been more... Uh, what did I roll on that dex? I only rolled a 1. Oh, never mind then. Yep. Hmm, so I think I still would have failed. Probably, yeah. Uh, DC was 8. Yeah, I rolled a 6. Yeah, I had a 6. Okay, uh, let me... Oh, look this up real quick. Oh, duh. I love D&D Beyond, but it is unforgiving with your spelling. Yeah, it's... <coughs> well, it's not in here, so I'm just going to look it up the Monster Manual two seconds. Um, so we will go ahead and start with Doskalos. There are eight um, swarms of centipedes, uh, all kind of converging on you guys. This room is uh, about 25 by 20, and there's a chamber to the... N- oh, excuse me, these are 10 foot squares. So it would be 50 by uh, 50, roughly, um, with a chamber uh, going off to the north. Well, and these they're all kind of scattered throughout the room right now. I just look around at all of the piercing weapons that I'm carrying and just... <laughs> well, this is going to be rather difficult, but... Must endure. Well, uh, maneuver around to try to catch two of the swarms in a straight line again. Oh, very easily. And, uh, we'll attempt to, uh, do the piercing thing. Um, I doubt a an eight will hit. No, not quite. And the one behind it, um, is, uh, 13 to hit. Yes, that will. And he will take seven points of piercing damage. Alright. And then our bonus two weapon fighting. Um that isn't eleven to hit. One point shy of what you needed. Dr. Stu. Uh <clears throat> Well, I will collect myself and stand up from the mast heap. Put myself and Cedric on the ground. <clears throat> I don't really know what's great against them. Uh, if you want to roll me a nature check, I can, I can uh, give you a little bit of insight. Let's see what nature. The bugs squash uh, them. Sixteen plus two for eighteen. Okay, you would know that uh, swarms of insects are kind of difficult to deal with um, because they are resistant to a lot of damage types. Because um, it's just it's really hard to kill a swarm with a single swipe of a sword. Right. Um, and other than that, um, you know that they don't hurt a whole lot, but it's death by a thousand cuts. All right. Well, I'm assuming being small and skittery, they're probably difficult to hit. So I will go ahead and force them to make a dexterity save with right. another uh, sacred flame. All right. 
uh, you are very easily able to light them up. Alright, and that's... Was that a D6, yeah? No, it was a D8. Yes. One. <laughs> Alright. Oh my. Uh, same target that uh, Michael is in? Yeah, let's okay. try to focus fire. Alright. We then move on to uh, Hazel. Alright. I am going to use my war cry, which is a bonus action. It allows me to move my attack, and if I succeed, I get to add a d4 to it, and four allies get a plus one d4 to their next attack roll. So, that is a 16 to hit. Yes, that very much hits. Alright, so I get to add a d4, so that's eight points of damage, and... Everybody else gets a four to their next attack roll. Awesome. Okay. Yes, definitely set that dice out there. All That's right. a good tip. It helps because it's so easy to forget that, oh, by the way, you've got a uh, die. Exactly. All right. We then move on to Cedric. All righty. I'm going to use my bonus action to cast Divine Favor on my weapon, and then I will attack one of the swarms. That is a 14 to hit. Yes, that hits. Alrighty. And so I will do 9 points of slashing damage and 2 points of radiant damage. Okay. Alright. The swarm, you can definitely tell after that uh, last strike, uh, is brought down to about half of their number uh, from what they once were. However, now it is all of their turns, and everybody is going to take two attacks each as they converge you guys on you guys from all sides. <clears throat> all right, so we will go ahead and start off with Micah. Uh, that's a 21 and a 22 to hit. Nope. <laughs> Those don't hit. Okay. And this first group is half of its uh, health points, so it does less than normal. Uh, you take four points of piercing damage oh, from the one, and then, excuse me, there's two groups. Uh, so that's eight, and then six. So that is 14 points of damage from the second one. And then uh, Mike. Oh my gosh, I am rolling fantastic. That is a crit and a uh, Serves me right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the one who fell down the stairs. <laughs> All right. Uh, so that is... I'm just going to use average for the crit. Uh, that is 20 points of damage for the crit. And then... Ah! And then... Uh, nine points of damage for the other one. I'm a zero. Alright, fall unconscious. Uh, and actually with centipedes, a creature reduced uh, to zero hit points by a swarm of centipedes is stable but poisoned for one hour even after regaining hit points and paralyzed while poisoned in this way. So you are stable and not dying, but you kind of swarm by centipedes right now. All right, uh, Hope, uh, that is a, a 16 and a 19, or 16 and 18. The 18 will hit. Okay, you will take seven points of piercing damage. And Virgil, uh, neither of those will hit. Highest was, well, maybe. Uh, highest was an 18. Highest is what? 18. 
That is my AC. Okay, then one hits. So you take uh, nine points of piercing damage. Okay. And we then move on to Doskalos. How fast do these things move? Uh, pretty slow. Uh, 20 feet. Alright, I am going to disengage the bonus action. Okay. And get as far away from them as possible before firing off a, 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 a attempted piercing shot. Alright. On the uh, injured one that's been up front the whole time, pretty much? Yeah. Okay. Well, I probably would have had to kind of skirt it around so it would be one of the rear ones. Okay. Hoping that I can catch the, the one that was up front with the actual peers. Gotcha. Um, adding that d4 to that attack is a 11 plus 8 is 17 to hit, or 19 to hit. Yep, that'll hit. And the second behind it, um, that is a 12 to hit. That will hit exactly. Alright, and they will both take five points of piercing damage. Alright, the one that's been attacked uh, quite a bit is down to just a few in their number. Uh, the other one is uh, not looking too terrible. Alright, uh, Dr. Stu, uh, you are stable but paralyzed. Um, so I guess you're just kind of laying there for right now. I'm just... <laughs> Hazel. Dreaming about the center of a Tizero pop. Yeah. I will go what over now? to him and use the second level restoration scroll on him. Okay, and that will cure you of your poison. So you uh, are at zero hit points and stable, but um, you uh, are no longer paralyzed. So you can get up if somebody were to give you a potion or something. Well, and get to you eventually. As a bonus action, I am going to use my Majestic Talent of Majestic Healing and heal him for five health points. Alright, you are you, back in the game. Cedric, it is your turn. Okay, I'm going to do the same thing as last time. Um, that is a 21 to hit. Yep, and I'm assuming the extremely damaged one? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and that is seven points of slashing damage and three points of radiant damage. Alright, the one swarm is decimated enough that it is no longer a threat. Okay, uh, we then uh, move on to the swarms again. So, uh, everybody is going to take two except for Micah. Uh, is only going to take... Actually, you know what, uh, Mike, uh, after they attacked you, they probably would have gone off to somebody else, so only one is going to attack you. Everybody else will get two. Still yeah, I'm merciful sometimes. Oh my god, that was a crit, uh, Micah. I'm down. Okay. Um, you know, so, poisoned. Uh, Mike, that'll hit uh, with an 18 plus 3. Oh, yeah. Yep, you're down again, Micah. Or, uh, Mike. Uh, Virgil, uh, both of those. Oh, uh, no, only one of those will hit with like a 22. Okay. So, 10 points of damage to you. Okay. And then Hope. Both of those will hit. One was a crit. Uh, wait, uh, 14. Will that hit you? No. Okay, then just the crit. Uh, that would be 22 points of damage to you, Hope. Oh, I'm down. Okay. We then move on to uh, Doskalos. You are paralyzed and poisoned. Dr. Stu, you are too. Hazel, you are too. Cedric. Uh, let me look up something real quick. 
Oh, oh gosh. <laughs> this turned bad real fast. So Bob said death of a thousand cuts. I feel it's more like a death of a dozen cuts. Yeah, at point. yeah. exactly. Well, mine, mine didn't even take that many. Oh god, that crit for 20 was... Just, I, I was at 22 health when you said that. Yeah. And I knew that you were going to roll at least 2d4 as a, I'm out. There's yeah. no way I'm getting through this. Yeah. Uh, Virgil, go ahead and roll me a nature check, um, if you want. That was an 18. Okay. Uh, you would know that they, uh, because they're swarms of insects, uh, they are uh, terrified of fire. So, like, light spells and lanterns and candles um, uh, aren't that big of a thing, but... Okay. Something like a torch or a large flame would be enough to scare them off. See, you know, I have a large flame. torch in my explorer's pack you could light if you can get to me. Um, let's see. Um, so what a, do I think a light cantrip would work, or would it have to be something stronger than that? It'd have to be stronger, because I still had light on my hand crossbow, and it didn't do anything to them. Yep, lanterns, candles, and light spells don't bother them, but they are frightened away by torches. By t- torches? Yep, torches or a similar-sized flame. Okay, uh, if I run over to, uh, Boscalos, would I get attacked? Probably twice. Okay, okay. Uh, then, instead, I am going to use a Searing Smite as a bonus action to have my sword light up and fire. Okay. And not attack anything, just wave it or, you know, just have my sword on fire uh, and use it to try and deter them. Okay, uh, roll me, uh, let's see, roll me an Intimidation check with advantage. Woo-hoo-hoo. That is a 12. That's a lot higher than their negative 2 because they have a minus 5 to charisma. So they are frightened away by uh, your flame. And so uh, they all completely disappear. Uh, what's the yeah. concentration or what's the duration of that um, smite before it has to be used? One minute. One minute? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to use uh, my action to uh, use Lay on Hands. Oh, nice. Uh, so I'm going to give... Let's see, do I have to use increments of five, or is it just any number of points? I think it's any oh. number of points. Okay. So I'm just going to give one... Basically, use 30 seconds-ish to give one point to each of my allies. Okay. They are so conscious. That everybody's up. They're conscious but paralyzed. Um, a creature reduced to zero hit points by a swarm is stable but poisoned for one hour, uh, even after regaining health points. And the paralyzation, uh, and they are paralyzed while they are poisoned this way. How long does okay. that last? I one hour. Been, I'll spend eighteen of my points. Then they're all up, and I removed poison from all of them. All right, they are all up. Do you guys want to uh, go into the next room, or do you want to kind of backtrack and take a short rest, or what would you guys like to do? So I've got ten uh, torches in my backpack if we want to ward this yeah, room off. Yeah, I would just mention when I got you guys up to light a torch. We still are at the one health, though, right? Yeah. Uh, let's see here. I will... <laughs> if we light this place up well enough, we can take a short rest here and utilize hit dice to heal rather than waste spells that we might need later. That's a good point. 
Okay, so uh, go ahead, and anybody that wants to expend uh, hit die, expend as many of them as you need. I'm and Virgil, you said you expended all of your lay on hands points, or just one point all for but, each? All but two points. Okay, and how many did you have total? I have 20 total. Okay, so 18 of them, and how did you divide them up for everybody so uh, we know? It would have been uh, six points for each. Okay, one so you guys are all at... And then you have to spend five points to remove a poison. So I used six per person. Ah, gotcha. Gotcha, gotcha. So everybody has one health point, but is not poisoned. I'm just forget all of my hit dice. Okay. I have no constitution modifier, so I rolled straight dice. Nice. But it, I, I'm over... Over half, that's good. Yeah, it's a start. I and you guys do still have two potions of healing you guys can use if you need. I am back up to 24 hit points. I also have a couple of different healing things I can do. So if anybody wants, I can heal them quite a bit still. Is that a combat heal, or is that, uh, like, takes a minute or something like that? Um, as it's an action. Oh, okay. So uh, if you guys want it uh, now, you guys can have it. Otherwise, if you want to save it for battle, I will. I, I, I'm, I am. I'm feeling quite spry and youthful once again. A little, little crick in my joints, but overall, I think I can carry on as is. All right. Uh, you guys want to make your way forward then, going into that next empty chamber uh, before descending or before uh, finding another set of steps that descends. Yes. Sure. Okay. I'm also gonna uh, use Jeff's account of my hero to cast heroism on Virgil. Okay. And, and how long? He also gets the temporary hit points of for. He has five temporary hit points. Cool. Thank you. Okay. All right. So you guys um, continue into this next large chamber, uh, completely empty, and there's stairs that descend. Um, you can tell as you go start going down those steps that the, the this next area is like a giant underground lake type area. I mean, it's a humid smack in the face when you start going down those stairs. And you can see right as you get to the end that the ceiling uh, arches 30 feet overhead. And this pool, um, this water pool, like immediately drops off to just black water underneath. You can't see anything below the surface. And then you can hear kind of the occasional croaking and splashing noise far off in the distance, but you can't really see anything. But you're pretty sure that this would be probably uh, where the giant frogs and stuff like that are kept and bred. Uh, you guys can see that there is kind of a winding uh, sidewalk, I guess for lack of a better term, uh, kind of a, a floor that goes all the way around uh, to the north. There also is kind of a tunnel that leads down to the south. And uh, directly out in front of you, there's kind of a little outcropping you could stand on if you wanted to investigate the uh, water a little bit more closely. Now, what would you guys like to do? Given my recent success in being stealthy, I think I'll stay right here. <laughs> okay. You guys want to move to the north or the south to get through this chamber. You can see that there's two tunnels. The one to the south is the closest, uh, leads uh, just south into a tunnel. Um, the one to the north kind of goes along the shore, I guess, uh, for lack of a better term, of this small lake-type area before exiting to the north. Not utilizing meta-knowledge, we go south. All right. Well, that's his left. Yes. Yeah. 
Kind of it would be, yeah. All right, so you guys um, continue down uh, to through the Southern Passage, and as you get right to the uh, edge of where you see some more water, uh, you see that there appear to be two bullywugs that are kind of hiding back there. Um, your passive perception, Dr. Stu, would be more than enough to see uh, these two bullywugs kind of hiding in that area. They appear to be just kind of hanging out there, but they haven't made any real move to attack or anything, uh, and they would have seen the light ahead of time, but they don't appear to be hostile or whatever towards you guys. Do any of you speak croak? <laughs> croak? Hmm. I do not. Hail creatures! How are you? <laughs> Alright, and what language in common? I'm guessing they don't know Sylvan, so... No, probably not. Uh, let me look up just to I, be sure. I think they, I think they only... I think, yeah, they only speak Bullywug, if I remember correctly. Beyond or common. A Bullywug is the only language they know. Very well, carry on! <laughs> yeah, they uh, stand there, spears at the ready, um, but unless you guys try to actually enter into that, that Nick's chamber, they don't they don't make any moves to stabby-stabby at you. I, I, don't, I don't feel like there's anything in there that I want if I have to fight a frog. All right. So then you guys continue on uh, through the North Passage? Unless we want to uh, wander out into the lake full of more frogs. No, thank you. Very well, I believe we will uh, traverse to the north. All right. As you continue along the edges of this underground lake-type area, your vision starts to be obscured a little bit by uh, mist coming out of this next chamber kind of flowing into the lake there. And so it's a little bit difficult to see through as you're getting through there. Uh, but you notice that there is a three-way, well, this is a four-way intersection, basically. There is a passage off to the west, a passage, or excuse me, a passage off to the east, uh, the south you just came out of, and then two passages to the west, uh, one kind of to the north a little bit and one to the south a little bit. Which one would you guys like to investigate? Uh, the one kind of to the southwest uh, descends down a bunch of stairs. The one to the uh, east uh, appears to end at some sort of ledge. Uh, and then you can't really see anything about the one to the uh, northwest. Do we want to continue to investigate this level before we head downstairs? I think that might be wise. All right, so we'll go to the... Otherwise, we might have someone follow us down. Okay, uh, heading then to the Northwest. Northwest Passage. All right. You go through the Northwest Passage, um, and uh, the mist from this area uh, seeps into this area and keeps it filled to a depth of like two or three feet. So as you guys are walking, you know, there's a ton of mist in this area. Um, however, anybody that has a passive perception of higher than 10 uh, can spot a, a magical circle in the center of this room. Uh, go ahead, anybody that can cast spells, uh, give me a arcana check. Um, seven. <laughs> That's it. 16. 16, Hope? Yes. It was on a 20, and then it rolled to 8. Oh, no. Okay, uh, Hope, you would recognize this, you're pretty sure, is a teleportation circle, a permanent teleportation circle carved into the floor. Um, but other than that, uh, you don't. It doesn't give any real distinction as to 
uh, where it comes from or goes to or anything like that. But that is the only thing in this very large room. Guys, want to backtrack and go down those stairs, or do you want to investigate the ledge off to the east passage? We'll go investigate the ledge just to see if it looks like anywhere we might want to go. Okay. You guys continue, uh, as you get closer to that ledge, uh, you see that it's only about 15 foot down, so it's a significant drop, but not anything, you know, deadly. And a large wooden crank-powered crane has been set up uh, for lowering heavy crates of treasure uh, into where you guys are at. So it, effect- it basically it's just a giant winch crane type thing that you guys can use if you want to to get back kind of towards the area which you came. Other than that, there isn't really anything in here. So it looks like this just leads back to the down and then back up towards the where we first entered this. Yeah, yeah, it looks kind of right back to where you guys were at. <clears throat> All right, does anybody have any interest in that teleportation circle, or do we carry on forth down? Agreed. Okay. Very well, down the stairs we go. All right. You guys head down the stairs quite a ways, and uh, go ahead and everybody give me a stealth check if you're going to attempt to move stealthy, Uh, because you can hear uh, voices and noises uh, croaking that you guys recognize as Bullywug coming from this uh, area down here. I'm just going to climb in the bag of holding and let you carry me down. <laughs> Some I, terror of I the night four. Some a, terror of the night you are. Exactly. A four? Michael, what did you get? Better than a four? <laughs> a five? A, a nine. A nine? Uh, Virgil and Hope? Nah. Five. Okay, rolling high on this one. Um, you guys are making enough noise going down these stairs that you're pretty sure every bullywug in the area has heard you, and you hear it gets quiet um, very quickly, and then there's kind of a scampering sound, as if somebody was running away from where you were at, but only one set of footprints that you can, or only one set of uh, uh, feet can be heard running away. Uh, Other than that, as you guys continue down these stairs, you notice that niches, uh, once you get down to the bottom of the stairs, this appears to be a shrine of some variety, and niches in the walls are filled with carvings of frogs ranging in size uh, of a fist to the size of a pumpkin, and larger carvings sit on the floor. Um, All different kinds of frogs. Uh, If anybody wants to roll me in a religion check to identify what these are, uh, they can. A what check? Ten. Religion. Oh, excuse me. If you have proficiency in religion, um, you would automatically recognize them as uh, being from the worship of the god of slimes and the goddess of shadows, uh, which are kind of an odd combination because there's no other elements that kind of suggest this kind of worship. So you're pretty sure that these were just collected here because they look cool, basically. Um... Let's see. Level 20 or the 21. Yeah. Uh, then you would get a little bit of extra knowledge that, um, let's see, indications show that Renemos is venerated here. Uh, Renemos is an ancient entity now believed to be in a deep slumber. And as far as your character is aware, uh, Renemos was a god of one of the ancient creator races, according to legend. But other than that, that's about it. 
uh, for this area. Hmm. You guys do see also at the end of the hallway, which appears to be kind of guarding the next room, there are ten bullywugs kind of guarding this entrance. Uh, and they are all arms at the ready. So, everybody roll me initiative, and we will start this combat. Uh, 15. Okay. 16. Four. Four. All right. And the Bullywugs got a 15. Let's see, so Doskalos, what is your dex? Plus two. Plus two. You go before oh, sorry, them. Plus four. Plus four. You definitely go before them then. All right, so the turn order will go Hazel, Doskalos, the enemies, Dr. Stu, and Cedric. So we will get started. There are ten Bullywug guards from the stairs that you guys drop down from, they would be 10, 20, 30, 40, about 50 feet away. Uh, and they appear to be guarding that door that you guys can't see back through. But you're pretty sure somebody ran through there. It's a good bet the Empire knows where he is. <laughs> yeah. Alright, so Hazel, how would you like to start this? Oh, I guess I'll just do more cries bonus action once again. So that is a not unnatural 20 to hit. Yes, definitely hits. Okay. So that means I get to add a d4 to my damage. That's 11 points of damage, and everybody else gets to add a d4 to their next attack roll. Thanks, Oak. With that 11 points of damage, your arrow finds purchase in its throat, and it collapses to the ground dead. Alright, Doskalos. Uh, let's see if I can't line up a pair of them. Yep, that would be pretty easy. And we will proceed with the initial attack. That is a 17 to hit. Yes, very much so. And the piercing attack, I'll add the d4 to this one. Um, that's only a 12. Okay, not quite enough. But the first one will take... Nine points of piercing damage. Alright, that's almost enough to bring it down to nothing. And then the follow-up attack with my offhand weapon. That is a 27 to hit. Very much so. And that'll be six points of piercing damage to him. And following in Hazel's example, you lodge a bolt in the throat of a bullywug and it collapses to the ground. It is now time for the bullywugs to take their turn. So there are eight of them left. And they are going to... Yeah. They only have a movement speed of 20, uh, so they are going to just advance 20 feet and then chuck a spear at you guys. So uh, I will roll to see who gets what. Um, So... Everybody duck! Yeah. All right. uh, So uh, one Micah, two Mike, uh, three Hope, and four Virgil. So, uh, one Micah and one Hope. I'm going to go ahead and roll these in. Oh, thank you, Micah. That's yeah, get half of them done at once. Okay. Actually, uh, I got another one for you. Ooh, thank you, thank you. All right, and I'll just roll eight would be four. All right, so we're going to have uh, two attacking Micah, three attacking Virgil, and two attacking Hope. By Jove, I've survived this round. Exactly. All right, so uh, the two going after Micah, that is a crit and a two. Oh. So only one will hit you, and it'll deal uh, eight points of damage. Oh, wait, no, uh, 
It's a D6 because he's thrown. So that will deal six points of damage to you. The three attacking Virgil. That is a crit and uh, one that won't hit. And then another one that won't hit. So Virgil, you will take four points of damage. Or three points of damage, excuse me. And then... Question for you. With heavy armor mastery, since I reduced damage by three, does that mean I take nothing or a minimum of one? Uh, go ahead and nothing. I've always done it uh, minimum of one, however, comma, yeah, that's, that's technically. I've always done two, but I just didn't know with yeah, damage rule, reduction. Yeah, rules is written. Technically, you wouldn't take anything, as frustrating as that is. So, uh, yeah, yep. we're all very frustrated. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Uh, How dare you not hurt me, right? I know, right? <laughs> so angry. Exactly. All right, so, uh, yeah, so you take nothing from that. And the two attacking Hope, uh, one of those will hit with a 21, and you will take three points of damage from that. We then move on to Dr. Stu. Um, so as far as damage goes, would people be okay if I started up spiritual weapon right now, or should I get the healing on? I can carry on a bit longer. I'm fine. Okay. Because it is a bonus action, but I can't cast a second spell in the turn. Uh, how far away am I from the closest bully one? Uh, they moved up 20 feet, so from the bottom of the stairs, it is 30 feet. Okay. So range on spiritual weapon is 60 feet, so I will cast and summon that. Okay. I love how this is not concentration. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, so yep, summon that up uh, within 60 feet. I'll put it to the back of the party, the the ones farthest from us. Okay. And so I will make melee spell attack. So actually have some stats applied to this. Um, 13 plus 7 for 20. 20 will definitely hit. And a D8 plus 5. 11 damage. That is enough to end the life of the one. That is awesome. Uh, and then as... And that's a bonus action, so you said they were about 30 feet away? Yeah. I have a move of 35 feet, so I'm just going to go ahead and just jump in the fray. All right. And I'll swing with my actual weapon that I'm not nearly as proficient with <laughs> as the spiritual weapon. Oh, by the way, you can make the... The spiritual weapon can take the form of whatever you choose, so I've made it into a... Uh, like the, uh, what do you call them? The hands on a clock. Oh, so yes! It's click! It's like every that time it swings, cool. time passes for you, but not the rest of us. That is awesome. And I'll run forward and attack with 10 plus 5. For 15. 15. Uh, yes, that will hit. Alright, that's a D6 plus 2. Or 6. Okay. He's stronger than me. Yeah. That is almost enough to bring that's enough to bring the one down to bloody. That will continue. I'm sorry. That will end my turn. Okay. We then move on to Cedric. Okay, I'll run up to the one that our cleric has approached. And I shall attack him. Okay. That is a 12 to hit. 12 does not quite hit. No. Oh, do okay. you still have the plus one from Hope from when she... The plus D4. The D4? Yeah, I rolled a three. <laughs> oh, so okay. it ended up happening. So, yeah. Alrighty. Um, 
that'll end my turn then. Alright, from that back room behind the spiritual weapon, you hear a really disgusting guttural type noise coming from that door that has just been thrown open. All of a sudden, vines and weird things start shooting out of the ground around your guys' feet. Uh, I need everybody to give me, I believe it's a dexterity save, to get out of the way. Uh, 26? Nope. Okay. 25, sorry. Yeah, no, that's more than enough to get out of the way. How's a 6, Bob? Uh, no, that is not even close to getting out of the way. <laughs> Uh, excuse me, it's a strength saving throw, not uh, dex. I have solo. Oh, 20. How's the 7, Bob? Yeah. Uh, no, <laughs> you're, you're caught. All right, virtual and hope. I'm proficient in strength saves, even though I don't have a lot of oomph with it. I'm not. Roll the uh, 5. Okay, uh, DC is 13. I'm so mad. I rolled a 2 on my die, or I rolled a 2 on my die. Uh, and I got mad, so like, is it just the die? And then I rolled an 18 and 19 and an at 20 in a row. I'm so frustrated. That's hilarious. <laughs> and Hope, what did you get? 12. 12, all right. If you roll less than a 13, uh, you are restrained by entangling plants until the spell ends. Uh, a creature that is restrained by the plants can use its action to make a strength check against the spell save DC to free itself. All right. We then move on to Hazel. I guess I'll try to see if I can free Saul. That is a natural 20. Okay, yes, you very easily just pull your feet out of these entangling um, plants that have gripped your feet. Anything for a bonus action? Nope, I think that's it. All right, uh, Daskalos. Well done, young lady. Hmm. Um, do I have? Does, does it look? Can I tell who looks like they might be the ones casting the spells? You heard those footprints disappear, and you saw the door kind of crack open a little bit before um, the spell went off, and you heard noise coming from back there. So somebody in that room, you're pretty sure. Well, there goes that idea. I've. I guess I'll just continue to attempt to thin the ranks. All right. So, um, well, uh, first shot will be a 20 to hit. Yes. And the piercing shot, um, that will be a 17. Yes. So they will both take seven points of piercing damage. All right. The one goes down and the other one is below bloodied. And we'll fire off our second... Our uh, offhand shot at the bloody, and that will be a twenty-seven to hit. Yes, very much. For six points of piercing damage, and another one goes down. Uh, we then move on to the bullywugs. They are going to uh, stand basically where they are and chuck spears again. So, uh, do you really want to play this game with me? <laughs> yeah, there are five of them. Uh, one on Virgil, one on Hope, another one on Virgil, one on Mike, and one on Micah. So, Micah, uh, that was a 13 to hit. Will not hit. All right, Mike, that was a 5. <laughs> Hope, that was a 19, or 18. That hits. All right, you take 5 points of piercing damage, and the 2 on Virgil, uh, that was a... Uh, 
20 and a uh, 3. Or a 20 and a 5. Yeah, the 21. Alright, and you take 3 points of piercing damage. Uh, yep, and uh, then we move on to Dr. Stu. So, Alright, uh, just thought I'd put it out there. I'm starting to look kind of rough. <laughs> where is uh, Hazel in respect to where I'm at? You guys are all kind of in the same 20 foot area. Uh, I don't know if, if you would have been standing right next to her or not. That's kind of. Well, he jumped into the. Fire. I jumped oh, into the. Oh, you did. So then, uh, within twenty feet to be in the. But I'm, I'm currently stuck in the in the uh, the tangle. Yes, you would have to make oh, a strength save to get out. Well, thank you to my friend who created this time domain. I will use one of my channel divinity to utilize time slip. Uh, I read it during our intro, but uh, use channel divinity to briefly stop time on your turn. You can use channel divinity to move up to your speed without expending any of your normal movements. Nice. Uh, during this movement, creatures cannot take reactions. I guess technically, I don't. I still have to actually move. Yep. You. Would I was to. hoping that it was like a kind of a teleportish kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, all right. So what? Before I commit fully to that, what do I need to do to get out of this? this uh, use your action to make a strength save. Make a strength save. DC 13. That means I need to roll an 11 or better. Can I use this die that she gave me, or was that for attacks only? That's for attacks. Okay. Um, as much as I... I just feel like I'm going to end up losing out on that. I, I feel there's a, I have a better chance to fail. Um, so, if that's the case, are you close enough that you could move to me? Like, are, how, how far out from where I am? Because I was like, we said, I'm right up on it. Yeah, she is, would be... Am I, like, dead in the middle of this thing? Did you move it off when you were casting your spells, or were you at the base of the stairs the whole time? I was still at the base. Okay, so then she would be about 30 feet away from where you are. Okay. Uh, boy, I tell you what, that's... I would love to try to run out and help, but I feel like I'm just going to waste my action on a failed save. And since it's a strength save, it's my lead. I don't even have advantage to, or I don't even have uh, proficiency to that. So you still have one of those potions, though, don't you? We have both of our potions still. Okay. Let's uh, hopefully the How long? Um, Arcana. Let me see if I can. Uh, that's natural one. God. <laughs> I, I have no idea how long these roots are going to last. Nope. Um, actually, I do have Entangle as one yeah. of my cleric spells. Then you would know that it lasts about a minute. About a minute. So... I'll be with you when I can, dear. Right now, I have to deal with this. <laughs> so I will maintain with the bonus action to keep uh, smacking with uh, the spiritual weapon. So, plus seven. That'll be 26 to hit with the spiritual weapon. Yes, that definitely hits. For a D8 plus five for another 11. Another one goes down in the back. Roll sixes. And um, I will cast Toll the Dead. Okay. Against uh, anyone that I've seen take a hit. Uh, all of them that have taken hits have been dead. Are oh. dead now. Okay. Well, then I'll just go ahead and go. I'll do the same thing. It's a wisdom okay. saving throw versus 15. Uh, that's a three. <laughs> so 1d8 damage to him. Two. Two damage. All right. So that's my action. And, and now that was my action. So my movement, if I didn't spend my actions to try to break free, I pretty much lose my movement then. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Pass turn. All right. Cedric. 
Can I see where that spellcaster disappeared to? Uh, he's behind the door, so you can see him, but only kind of through the crack of the door. Uh, does the door open out, or does it open into him? Uh, doesn't say so. Odds, uh, roll, it goes in, uh, evens goes out. Uh, even, so it opens out towards you guys. Darn it. Okay. Um... I guess I'll use my attack to hit one of the bullywogs in front of us. Okay. Uh, so that is uh, 15 to hit. 15 hits. Alrighty. Uh, oh, as a bonus action, I would have cast uh, Divine uh, Favor. Okay. Uh, I would have done that before, and I'm sorry, I didn't specify that. So okay. I cast Divine Favor beforehand. No problem. Uh, and then, uh, so that is three that's eight uh, slashing damage and two radiant damage. Another one goes down. Alrighty. Um, and I guess that is my turn. Okay, uh, we then move on to that spellcaster. Uh, once again, uh, well, actually, no, he doesn't have anything that he can do from where he is at, uh, so I'm going to go ahead and take him out of initiative for the moment, and we move on to Hazel. Alright, I'm going to attack the one that's attacking me, yeah. and that is a natural one. Alright, absolutely nothing happens there. Alright, uh, anything as a bonus action are going to move? Nope. Alright, Doskalos. You are all very annoying frog people and I am not happy with this. I suppose, uh, let's see if I can't shift myself around to line up a pair of them and uh, continue saving ammunition. Okay. <laughs> He's a conservationist. Yeah. Let's trees to make arrows. Uh, wait, uh, with the way that you, since you're stuck in place... Uh, I'm not. Oh, okay. I made my strength save. That's right. Okay, then you're totally fine. You can move around wherever you need. Yep. Um, that is a 23 to hit. Yes. The one behind them will be a 18 to hit. Would you try and line up the guy in the door, or would you just line up a regular grunt? I just, I just work on thinning out the grunts. All right. And they will each take six points of piercing damage. All right. Uh, not doing too great, but um, both are still standing. And then uh, just uh, the one in front, then I'll uh, make my offhand weapon attack with it. And that is a crit. All right. You end one magnificently as you pierce him through his eye socket. Uh, you then hear a muttering coming from that back door. And the one that you uh, hit with that piercing strike... Uh, heals some of his wounds. I think it's a D4. I meant to give hope a potion, but I forgot to. <laughs> Sorry, Hazel, I'll be with you in a moment. Yep, and he is fully restored to health. You see all of his wounds close up. Okay, uh, we then move on to the Bullywugs. Uh, the two of them are going to... Uh, I guess they'd be close enough that they are going to attack melee with... Um, I'm going to go one on Cedric and one on Dr. Stu. Bring it on. So, uh, bite and a spear. Uh, that was a crit on the bite, uh, Mike. 
and uh, miss on the spear. Well, I asked for it. Yeah. <laughs> so you will take four points of bludgeoning damage, and then Virgil. Neither of those will hit. I rolled a six on both. Uh, so we then move on to Dr. Stu. Oh. Get him, boo-boo! Uh, correct. Uh, Mark down one more round for my spiritual weapon. I'm keeping track for you, Bob. Thank you. Uh, spiritual weapon attacks um, as the bonus action. Oh, I wait. Can... Uh, oh, never mind. It's not concentration. You're fine. Nope, not concentration. It can move up to 20 feet. I'm assuming it could follow up with him. Yeah. Okay, that's good. So, um, yeah, uh... Five and two, seven, eighteen. Okay, yes, that hits. And a D eight plus five, six. Micah, can you confirm I rolled my third six in a row on this die? Nice. I mean, this is not terrible though for a D eight. No, it's, yeah. for, it's exactly though better that than a one. Exactly. Uh, so eleven points. Another one goes down that was just healed. Awesome. Uh, and then I myself, the other one is at full health, is it? Full health as well, yes. You guys are pretty much one shot these guys. Um, I, I feel like I'm better off doing Toll the Dead because it's all it's the same damage die, and okay. I got a better chance of hitting than I do trying to swing with only. So Toll the Dead, wisdom, mod, wisdom. Oh, uh, that's right. A wisdom save from the Bullywook. And that's an eight. All right. So one d eight damage to him. Four. Okay, uh, he's still kicking, but not by a ton. Not quite bloody, but uh, getting close. Cedric, it is your turn. There is a single bu- bullywug standing, and then that spellcaster in the back. Okay, uh, I'm going to attack the one standing in front of me. All right. Uh, that is a 14 to hit. That does not quite hit. One point off. Uh, okay. Um, all right. Uh, that'll be my turn then. Okay, uh, we then move on to Hazel. Alright, I will once again try to attack the one in front of me. Alright. That's a 23. Yes, definitely hits. Alright, and that is 9 points of damage. Alright, and that was enough to end that one. Hooray! All that is left is the guy behind the door. Doskalos. Oh, uh, anything as a bonus action help? No. Okay, Doskalos. Well, knowing that since there's no one else in the actual room with us, um, I will uh, see what I can do about getting rid of these thorns. So I will take off across the room, and uh, if I can get to a point in during my my movement where I can kind of see through the door, I may as well go ahead and just take a shot. Okay, he has half cover, but you can take a shot. And that'll be... Nice. Uh, 20, or it, how cover would be is that disadvantage Just or minus? Plus two to his AC, so. Oh, it's, it's a 26 yep. to hit? That more than hits. And that'll deal five points of, pier, of piercing damage. Uh, all right. And then I'll actually shoot with my offhand weapon. Um, no, I won't. <laughs> okay, and he keeps concentration after taking that hit. Uh, we then move on to his turn. Um, he is going to drop concentration on the uh, entangle spell. Oh, thank God! And he actually, you know, uh, no, he's gonna hold on to it for right now. But he's going to charge out, um, leaping through the air, essentially, uh, at whoever would be up front. Stupid computer. Shot. At this point, it's probably now me since I moved a full 30 feet towards yep. so where he, he was. So he will leap out at you and attack you once with his bite and once with his spear. Plus five on the spear, so that would be 15 to hit. 
on the spear. That will hit. Okay. Um, then you will take, and he would be wielding that one-handed. So you will take five, six points of piercing damage, and he is going to go ahead and expend his poison strike ability and going to add 2d8 um, poison damage. So you will take an additional two points of poison damage from that strike. Uh, we then move on to Dr. Stu. Let's see here. Well, since I'm stuck in the muck, I'm going to go ahead and uh, let's double check here. When he came flying out of that room and leaping uh, from where my spiritual weapon was, is he close enough to move the 20 feet to him? Yeah. All right, yeah. so bonus action, I will command the weapon to engage with him. 20 okay. feet and attack. Uh, 10 plus 7 for 17. Yes, that will hit. All right, and so 4, uh, 9 damage Okay. to him. And then I will cast Bless, which is a first level spell. Uh, so bless up the three creatures. I'm going to bless everybody except for myself. Okay. So Micah, Hope, and Virgil. Excuse me, Daskalos, Hazel, and Cedric. You may add a d4 to an attack roll or a saving throw. Cool. Okay. Uh, we then move on to Cedric. All right. Uh, so the a spellcaster came out? Yes. yes. Uh, is he within melee range of me? Uh, no, you would have to uh, move up probably 20, 30 feet to him, but uh, that entangle is no longer there. So, you, Oh, no, it is still there, so you'd have to make the strength save. Okay. I am instead going to Misty Step Ooh. over to him. Uh, so I'll Misty Step as a bonus action over to the spellcaster, and then I'm going to attack him. All right. That is a 20... That's 22 to hit? Yes, that very much hits. Okay. That is 8 points of slashing damage. Uh, and I'm actually... I'm going to Divine Smoke this. So add an additional... Uh, let's see, got to make sure I do it right. Uh, an additional 2d8 of damage. So that's 8 and 3, so... Let's see, what was it? Uh, eight points of slashing. Yep. Uh, the Divine Smite was 11 points of Radiance. Okay. And then Divine Favor added an additional four points of Radiance. Okay. Uh, and he would drop Concentration then on uh, Entanglement after that. All right. Uh, it is then uh, Hazel's turn. All right. I'll take a shot at him. Okay. That's an 18. Yes, 18 hits. Alright. That is 6 points of damage. Okay, he is definitely not looking good at this point. Uh, we then move on to Daskalos. Children, don't try this at home. <laughs> I'm, going to, I'm going to make the risky maneuver, and I'm going to. I'm not going to disengage because I'm going to take both my crossbow shots. I don't have my. Uh, proper feet to not take this advantage for firing at guys right next to me, so I don't really want to utilize that yet, so I'm just going to uh, hop back a few feet out of out of, out of out of melee and take that attack of opportunity. Okay. Didn't you have an ability where you could disengage as a bonus action? I did my bonus action to fire both crossbows. Yep. And that will definitely hit. Uh, so you take 
five points of regular damage, and then uh, he will do an additional uh, nine points of poison damage. That will put me down. Okay, you are now unconscious. I took the risk. Yep. And it is his turn. Um, everybody within a 15-foot cube of him uh, needs to give me a dexterity saving throw. Which is, or, excuse me, constitution saving throw. Which is just me and Cedric, and I'm unconscious. Oh, okay. Uh, Cedric, oh yeah, uh, but your magic weapon would need to make it too. Uh, your, really? Yep, it can still take damage. Um, I don't believe, can it? Magic weapon? Um, I don't, you know, I've never actually... I've never really attacked a magic weapon. Let me um, check real quick. Let's see here. Bonus action on your turn. You move the weapon 20 feet. Repeated attack against a creature within 5 feet of it. We're going to take whatever weapon you choose. Uh, it does not state anything about the weapon itself. Okay. Then, uh, uh it, it is a floating spectral weapon. Okay. So, uh, I mean, I guess in a, in a sense, for it to do damage, it has to have some form of physicality to it. Yeah. Uh, well, and it, it weighs light enough that it will still be... Go ahead and make a constitution saving throw using your stats anyway, just to see if it gets pushed. Uh, so, Virgil, I need a constitution saving throw from you. Using my 13. stats. 13. Uh, that is just enough to pass. Um, you will still take um, half the damage, but you are not pushed back. And he casts Thunder Wave at the uh, third level. So that will be uh, 2, 3, 4, D8. So that is um, uh, 13 uh, plus another 10. So that's 23, half down to uh, 11 points of uh, thunder damage. 11 total? 11. And anything that is an unsecured object is pushed back 10 feet. Um, and if you pass the save, then you are not pushed. I got pushed. All right, so save for my weapon. And you would fail one death saving throw like that. 16 on the die. 16. All right. The sword is not pushed back then. All right. Uh, Dr. Stu, it is your turn. Um. All right. Micah, you're down, yes? Yes. Which one is it? Is it healing, healing word? Is that the one that's a bonus action to heal somebody? Yes. yes. Since I don't want to... 1d4 plus your spellcasting modifier. I would have to lose the weapon, but I feel like getting Micah back up is more important than my weapon. So let's go to healing word on my little tablet here. By the way, the Game Master app for D&D 5e is amazing. I love this. Existence. Only drawback to it is they don't have like uh, spells from like Xanathar's Guide and some of the things, so I have to write those down, but yeah. only having to write down a few a few spells versus having to write down everything. Yep. Let's see here. One bonus action. 60 feet. Instantaneous. Creature of your choice. You can see within range. Regains hit points. It's a 1d4 plus your spellcasting mod. Um, you're not undead or a construct, are you? <laughs> I hope not. You may gain eight hit points. I have eight hit points. And then I still have this, so that's that. Um, and he wasn't close enough for me for me to be able to wave, so I can't do anything there. So that's my bonus action. So I'm going to go ahead and, since I have an action free that I can't do anything with, I'll go ahead and try to make that strength save to break okay. out of the... Uh, it was actually dropped. So oh, was it? Yep, it was dropped. Oh, sweet then. Um, yeah, Virgil's like... 20-some-odd points of damage for enough then to drop healing action to get him up. Can I move 35 feet and engage with him in melee? Yep. All right. Um, 17 plus two, 5. Definitely 22, hits. so 1d8 plus 2 for 6 damage. Okay. He's not standing by a ton, but he's still up. And that will end my turn. All right. Cedric, it is your turn. Okay. 
I am going to use a bonus action for my channel divinity. I'm going to use Borcod or Borcade's judgment. Uh, using a bonus action, you call Borcade to aid and ensure your attack strikes true. First attack of your next action causes a critical hit. Uh, on your subsequent turn, you must do so with disadvantage. So I'm going to attack, and it's now a critical hit. So okay, and he has 12 health points left. Okay, I'm going to Divine Smite at the second level. <laughs> so that would be uh, 2d8 for the sword. So that's 11 for the sword. 4, 5 for the Divine Favor. And then it would be 4d8 for, uh, <laughs> or 3d8. No, both Divine Smite. Crit doubles everything. Everything that isn't everything that is a roll. Yeah, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, uh, twelve for the divine strike or divine smite plus five uh, for the modifier. How do you end it? I just glowing radiant sword just strike straight across the chest and just take him down. All right, and might have been a bit much. Yeah. And, no way. <laughs> and as he falls, you guys are able to kind of investigate around, and uh, you guys are able to see that the room in the next area is extremely uh, trapped. And so even just trying to be in there is uh, kind of a danger to, to uh, investigate. But you guys I'll are... investigate. I've yes. got high decks. Okay. Well, you guys are able to, uh, with prolonged, you know, very careful exploring... Uh, you find a spell book that contains uh, spells up to 4th level and another one that contains wizard spells up to 5th level. So two spell books. And uh, other than that, you find uh, uh, just random magical idols and all of that kind of stuff in this area. Uh, you guys are able to then escape uh, from this castle and, uh, evac- and kind of evacuate and head back towards civilization, having killed off the leader of the Bullywugs. Quick question. Yes. Where would, was that teleportation circle active? It was it was active, but you need a command word to activate it. Okay. And actually, you know what? Go ahead and uh, roll me uh, odds or evens um, to see if you get it. Evens, you get it. That was an odd. All right. Uh, just for meta knowledge, uh, if you would have investigated the office of Remeriz um, and done the successful check and all that kind of stuff, you could have found a piece of paper that had a random word scrawled upon it with no instructions. Um, but that would have been where you would have found it. Problem so, being, th- those who may remember when uh, when we went through and fought the giant like yeah, golem, exactly. and we found the the scroll of paper with the the phrase on it. I forget the, what the phrase was. But yep. uh, all we needed to do was speak that word to the golem, and it would have just shut down and let us pass. And then say, thankfully, we had Dave though. Dave like Kamehameha, that sucker right exactly. off the edge. <laughs> that was pretty awesome. <laughs> all right, uh, we will go ahead and end this week's um, homebrew review episode. When we return next week, we will be taking on the Castle in the Sky. So attacking a cloud giant castle, the Skyreach Castle. So go ahead and everybody say goodbye. Bye. Bye. Hope say goodbye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>
All right. Thank you once again for joining us for another episode of the Homebrew Review. If you would like a chance to join our show and vote on who gets in and what material makes it, please visit our Patreon page where you can help support our podcast and possibly join the crew here. Also, if you would like to follow us, we are on Facebook at Guild Adventure. You can also find us on our website along with links to all the material at www.theadventuringguild.com. And if you are able, please check out Syndicate Games in Kearney, Nebraska for all of your gaming needs. So thank you all very much, and we hope to see you next week.